When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Santana into the windup. The payoff pitch on the way. Swung out and missed. Strike three. He's done it. Johan Santana has pitched a no-hitter. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the Free Odyssey app. All right, um, 303, McMonagle here with you. I mentioned just there, all in, and Marco Belletti, and I do feel like I just need to address this real quick. Not to make a big deal out of it, because I don't, I know my truth. I know my truth. I know my truth. But this morning, I was, my all in, my dedication to this station was called into question. And I will take abuse on many things. I will take criticism on many things. I will take the slings and arrows on many things. Right? The morning show. They want to, you know, Geo jokes about the amount of Yankee content I did. I just did, you know, 25, 30 minutes on it. You know, Yankee hot stove. That's no problem. I'll play into it. That's fine. I get it. I do talk Yankees. Wouldn't argue with them. So I'll take those slings and arrows. I'll take the slings and arrows. You know, they they do their favorite part-timers last year, and I'm pretty sure I was about 155th on the list. That's okay. I'll take those slings and arrows. No problem. I understand that. Not Not everybody has to love me. I mean, I want them to. But that's okay. I can live with that. What I will not tolerate. What I will not tolerate is my dedication to this great station being questioned. That that is a bridge too far. That is something I will not tolerate. I was I've been here for a very long time and I've busted my hump to get here. And I'm not taking it for granted. And I am not I didn't, you know, I guess they were getting on it started with getting on Sal or whomever for working from home and Mirage from working from home during the storm or whatever. I drove home in a blizzard on Tuesday morning. I live in up I live upstate in Warwick in Orange County. It's about an hour and a half with no traffic at that time in the morning. I drive three hours, an hour and a half each way to get here and get home. I'm in the car as much as I'm on the air this morning. And I drove home in a blizzard. And yes, sometimes, occasionally, I will work from home on Mondays because on Sunday night, typically there's football, like like this last Monday I worked because it was the Super Bowl, and it ends late, and I'd rather be home watching the post game and, and prepping for the show than in my car driving to get here at the last final minute. So occasionally, yes, I do work from home, occasionally. Plus, on Sundays with my lifestyle, I have kids, I'm up early on the morning on Sunday, and I really don't get a chance to go to sleep, and then I'm on. And so it, by the time I'm leaving the show, we're, I'm going on 24 hours of no sleep, and I'd rather not drive home. So there are times where, yeah, on Mondays, occasionally, I will work from home. But I have done everything I've been asked to do. I've been here for 17 years. Every I For two years, I slept on Evan's ridiculously large and colorful red chair in his office Every single Friday night. I didn't come home to my family on Fridays. I stayed here right after Carton and Roberts. And I went into Evan's office. 
and I slept there or hung out there or watched games there and then was on Saturday mornings at 2 a.m. For two years, I slept here so that I could try and have as many shifts as possible at the station because I love being on the air and I love being on the air on WFA Ed. I was, you know, producing and, and board hopping during the pandemic and was in here every single day when many people, including the arbiters of All In, were home. I am all in. So question my ability as a talk show host. That's up for grabs. Say my content is too Yankee related. That's up for grabs. You have no problem poking fun of my weight. Hey, that's me. It's up for grabs. But don't you dare. Don't you dare. Question whether or not I'm all in. Because I am all in. I am all in. And I guess Eddie brought up me leaving him in the lurch on one Christmas Eve morning. I, I can't. It's something I can't win. How do you prove that something didn't happen? I have no memory of it. None. Christmas Eve is important in my family. I've talked about it over and over again. I'm pretty sure I would have just said I don't want to work Christmas Eve. I don't ever remember calling out last minute on Christmas Eve. It doesn't sound like me. I don't think I did it. But I have no proof I didn't. And if I'll take Eddie's word for it. He dealt with the scheduling. He's a bright man with a good memory. Fine. I'll eat that one. I can't argue it. I don't think it happened, but let's say it happened. That's fine. That doesn't change the fact of the dedication I've shown around here. So please, pick on my appearance. Pick on my ability. Pick on the content of this show. If you must, I'll argue with you if I feel it necessary, but that's fine. But I will not have my dedication to this station questioned by anyone. And that's that. 877-337-6666. Ah, oh, the fun we have. Ah, Santana, the stories you tell. 877-337-6666. I saw another report that's interesting as we talk about the problems with baseball, right? Evan's going on this big tear. Evan, who broke my heart because I love, I love Evan, and he loves baseball. I know it. When the baseball season was brought back during the strike, that famous video of my belly hanging out, we embraced. We embraced like Rocky and Apollo on the beach. We could not have been more happy that the strike had ended or the holdout or lockout had ended and Major League Baseball was going to come back for all 162. I could not tell you how happy we both were in that moment. It's a moment I'll always treasure with Evan. But he's been killing baseball. For the last week. And I understand why. The offseason is broken. And as we look at some of the guys still available, Blake Snell's still available. Cody Bellinger's still available. I mean, camps are opening, and so many different guys are still available. Chapman, and including Montgomery. And here's the call I'm going to make right now. I'm going to make a plea. I know many of you think I'm a, a Met hater, apparently. It's, it's, it's become the world. I can't love the Yankees and not be a Met hater. Apparently, I'm both. Sure, when tweaked, I'll push back, but ultimately, no. I like the Mets. I'm rooting for the Mets. I'm, I'm on the general manager or the president of baseball operations because I don't like the idea he's giving up on this season. I've, I've, I, you know, I said you know, verbal horse manure or whatever and verbal garbage because I disagree with what he's saying. I don't buy it. But I don't think he's an idiot, nor do I think he's doing a bad job necessarily. I just think he hasn't put the importance on this year. But building forward, 
I have no reason but to think he's going to do a good job. He's been a good executive, and I think Met fans should trust him moving forward. I just hate the idea of not really caring about this year. And I do think with the richest owner in baseball, you can do both. But here's my plea. As reports out of Texas are that the defending World Series champions who've been waiting on their TV deal and have been up in the air about how much money they're going to get for their TV deal, and they're waiting, and yeah, Amazon bought a little piece, and you're not sure if that affects the Texas Rangers. It's not Texas Rangers games aren't going to be televised on Amazon like some other teams. Does that mean they don't get a piece of the pie that Amazon bought in? I don't know any of that. All I know is that the Rangers and Montgomery have been kind of this fait accompli, just waiting for them to finally get their money and all from the contract. Well, reports are the Texas Rangers are done. They've spent their money. They've built their team. They're happy with their uh, with their World Series title trophy that's going to be in their uh, offices. They're thrilled. And it seems like they're unsure of the money, and so they're not going to offer Montgomery a big-time contract. And it seems like what was, for, was once thought a foregone conclusion of Montgomery going back to the Texas Rangers is maybe not such a foregone conclusion. So here's what I will say. David Stearns. Steve Cohen, New York Mets, go out and sign Jordan Montgomery. I would say the Yankees should do it, but I don't. I just don't see a reunion, and I could scream and cry about it. I just don't see it, and nor do I see it as much as I see it for the Mets. This guy does not hurt your timeline of getting better. He is young. He is. He is a big, thick, durable guy who I you know don't see really injuries being a problem. I don't think him aging. He doesn't live and rely on his 99-mile-an-hour fastball. He's been terrific. He's figured something out. You could argue he was the, you know, what, second, third best pitcher in all of the playoffs last year, was a big-game money pitcher, reliable, will go out and make the starts and give you a three- 3-2 ERA, year in and year out, and he's he, it just makes too much sense. It's unbelievable he's unsigned. I think the Yankees you know, should be somewhat in the market, too. I don't view him as that number two they're desperate for. That makes the big difference, but it would be an enormous upgrade. I just don't see it as much as I see it with the Mets. Go out there and get this guy. Bring him to Queens. You're going to have him for the next couple years. It's in the it's in the time window of when you expect to be the, comp- the, the, the competing team. Plus, it helps you this year. Go out and get him. Especially now that it seems like he's not going back to Texas. I don't know where else. There's reports. In, I mean, I guess it is true. His wife's opening like a, a yoga facility in Boston, so there's, he's been linked to the Red Sox, but there's really not a lot of noise there. There really hasn't been a lot of noise around Montgomery because I think everyone was just assuming that he was going back to Texas. I think the Mets should absolutely be all over Montgomery. I think I think he fits the team. He's a tough guy. He's proven he can pitch in New York. He's proven he can pitch in the postseason. He'll be a stabilizing force inside that rotation that you filled with really nothing but guys that you hope can bounce back. This is not a guy that you have to hope bounces back. This is a guy who's in the middle of a resurgence and a a guy who's in the middle of pitching the best baseball of his career and only getting better. 
And he's, he would check any box the Mets fans. And Mets love signing former Yankees and then telling you that the, the idea that he performed in the market matters. Well, here's another guy where it matters. There's another guy who's proved it. The Mets should absolutely go get Montgomery. He's he's right there. Him and then him and Sanga are legitimate. You know, they're both solid twos, right? I still don't think I don't know if he's an ace necessarily. You don't get an ace in this deal, but you improve your bull, you improve your rotation so much. And with the bullpen that you do have, and you know, Diaz coming back and all the moves you've made there. You, you, now you feel a little bit better about your overall pitching. And you feel like Montgomery can give you innings when I don't know if Sanga's going to give you innings, right? In second year, maybe he'll be a little bit more comfortable pitching every fifth day. Maybe he'll give a little bit more innings. Severino, I don't know if you can anticipate him giving you big-time innings. Like, this is a guy who'll give you innings. This is a guy who'll give you good starts. This, this is a guy who solidifies the team. He's pitched in New York. Go out and get him. And now, I don't, and especially now, I don't know what his market is. I mean, you might be able to get him on a pretty good deal. This is absolutely someone I think the Mets should go and effort bringing here. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hurt you. 877-337-6666. Go spend the money. Go get the guy. And then go about building your team. What's stopping you? What is stopping you? Your official station to talk Knicks. The Fan 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you in the overnights. About halfway through our little three-hour ride as we take you to 5 o'clock in the morning in the warm-up show. Uh, where, you know, everyone is all in over there. Um, I just told you, I think the Mets should go get Montgomery. His word is that it sounds like it's going to fall apart in Texas. I've also, with the other story with the Mets that we've clearly been doing and everyone's been doing, but I've felt pretty strongly about is, is Pete Alonzo. And you can hit me up on Twitter at, at CMACWFAN. And someone did, my guy, uh, uh, Dick's Trickle. On Twitter. Uh, is that Cold Trickle? That's a great movie. Days of Thunder, Cold Trickle. Great name, too. Love that name. One of the great names in movie history. Cold Trickle. Days of Thunder. Tom Cruise. Tremendous movie. Anyway, we've been talking about Alonzo and how I feel it would be... I just think it's crazy to move on from him. Crazy. I would not trade him. I would sign him. I, I think the Mets have gone about this particular situation exactly how they should. Let him play it out. Have a great year. Incentivize them to have a big time year. Have a year like Judge. Stick it to the Mets, and then make them pay. And then pay them. That's how. That's I think that's the same thing the Yankees did. That's what the Mets should do. That's how rich teams should handle it. Teams who don't fear giving them the contract, and that's exactly what the Mets should be. A team that doesn't fear giving them the contract. That's this is exactly how they should play it. But I said over and over again, he's got a chance to be the best position player in franchise history, and uh, Dick's trickle. Uh, says Alonzo is not and will likely never be a better player than David Wright. You are wrong when you suggest otherwise. Well, here's what I'll tell you. I think there's a very strong argument to be made that, yes, 
David Wright in his prime was a better overall player than Pete Alonso. No doubt. No doubt. But we know what happened to David Wright. He did not have a long enough career. The back injury in, enabled him to have a long-standing career. Now, I can't promise you that Pete Alonso is going to stay healthy, but Pete Alonso plays 152 games a year without fail. And if he continues to be healthy and has a long career, now look, when I say Pete Alonso is going to be the greatest player in, in franchise history, if you allow him to be, that doesn't mean he's the best ever to put on a uniform in any moment. I think you could absolutely, you know, Mike Piazza is a better player than Pete Alonso. Mike, Piazza's the, Mike Piazza is the greatest hitting catcher of all time. Mike Piazza hit 360, 350, and had some of the best opposite field power you've ever seen in your life. Mike Piazza is a better player. He didn't do it long enough with the Mets. I think you could argue Daryl Strawberry in his prime, a more dangerous and better player than Pete Alonso. But if Pete Alonso plays for 17 years for the Mets, healthy years, he will surpass all of them as the franchise face of position players, without question. Without question. I know you might love David Wright. And yes, in the sample size of his best against anybody else, against uh, you know, Alonzo's best, sure. If I was picking a team today for one game, and I could either have the best of David Wright or the best of Pete Alonzo, okay, yeah, I'll give me the best of David Wright. That's not the question. That's not the scenario. That's not what we're looking at. Pete Alonso has an opportunity to be the greatest player in franchise history because of his longevity and all the home runs he'll hit and hopefully all the winning he'll do. Unfortunately, that's another thing. No championships for David Wright. Yes, he went to a World Series. He did not win one. If Pete Alonso plays for another, you know, nine years, ten years, with the New York Mets and wins a championship, you're going to tell me David Wright's better, a better career Met? Sorry. That's that's a very difficult argument to make. Very difficult argument to make. And that's why I and you you just never get fair market value. I think I think the idea that that's what they should do is absolutely I, I just think it's crazy to trade Pete Alonso. All right, so we're going to do something now that I'm not sure it works on radio, but we're going to give it a go. My man Mark, who's a, a fan of mine, I guess. You'd have to be to do go throughout, uh, do this and do this nice thing. My man Mark sent me a bunch of stuff in a big box. I got it on my desk today. Um, I got to open it here. He said, oh, there's, there's my guy. There he is. What's up? No, there's no need to send him in. He knows. He knows. He knows what he's done to me. He knows. There's Eddie, the great Eddie Scazzeri, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Um, so a caller called up, uh, let me know on Twitter that he had a bunch of old wrestling stuff. I know Sal's into this, too. I'm not so much into the, the wrestling stuff, but my kids are. So my guy, Mark, sent me a message that he was going to send me a bunch of old wrestling toys. 
that I could give to my children. And so we're going to open it up just real quick here. We're going to see how good. We'll see if Mark is an all-in type fan of WFAN. Oh, it's in boxes. I got playing cards. I got CDs. WWF, The Music, Volume 5. With The Rock and a big cherry pie. Four. I mean, CDs are interesting. I got... Oh, uh, Scott Steiner. I got all these these playing. Oh, man, he sent me a, an enormous bag of wrestlers. This is awesome. Thank you, Mark. I got to go through them. These are the old school. These remind me of like when I was a kid. We used to play a game. We used to play a game called uh, Manhunt. It's kind of the same as Tag. It's Tag at Night. And you'd hide. We had an indoor version that we would play at Super at Super Bowls, at sleepovers. And my buddy Mike, we we would sleep over at my buddy Mike's house the most because his mom always made sure to go get bagels in the morning. We would, I mean, bagels and cream cheese at at, at Lieb's house after a sleepover is famous stuff. It's famous stuff. But he had a bunch of these old wrestlers as well, and these are like the old rubber. Yeah, this is a. Triple H here. These are like these old rubber, heavy little guys, the wrestlers. And he, they look just the same as mine. Oh, here's the ones with the finger puppets. Oh, yeah. And they're covered in all the markers and everything. But we used to take these. And he had so many that everybody would get a handful. And we would play ma Manhunt, we'd call it Man, in the dark. And the way you would get tagged was one of these things would get flung at you. And so pretty much it turned into, it started with the idea of being Manhunt, and then it ended with just an absolute throwing wrestlers at each other's faces fight. Yokozuna. Oh, this is awesome. There's a ton of, my, my, Mark, thank you very much. My kids are going to love this. Very, very kind of you. I appreciate it. So thank you to Mark. He's a good dude. Send me a whole bunch of stuff. There's CDs in there. There's toys in there. It reminds me of my childhood. It was what, Hasbro? Is that the name of the company that made those toys? I know Sal's into it. I'll have to ask Sal. But thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. The kids are going to love it. And they're into the wrestling right now as ever. As The Rock has fully admitted, he's going to turn heel and embrace turning heel. And I think if The Rock really is bored, I don't know what's going on. I know he's making Moana too, which actually should be good. Moana's an excellent movie. So if they're making a live-action Moana, I don't know if it's going to be part two or just a live-action remake of Moana, whatever the case may be. I don't know what he's doing right now. His last couple of movies have kind of flopped. I don't think Black Adam did very well, and it wasn't that good. So if he's really got time to get back into the swing of things, a little, no one expects him to be on Raw or SmackDown on a regular basis. But if he's going to do more than just you know, a WrestleMania once every four or five years or something. Like, if he's going to be a little bit more involved and turn heel here, that's he's got a chance to really – it could be really fun. And, you know, I hate to say this because I know my kids spawned it, but wrestling in WWE is really in a great place. Like, they have a ton of guys who are really good and interesting. And right now, Cody has become one of the great – I mean, he's one of the big-time baby faces ever. Right now, I mean, they, the fans stopped a Roman Reigns rock mess WrestleMania. Think about that. 
Roman Reigns is a guy who hasn't lost his championship in over three years. He's one of the biggest, you know, heel champions of all time. He's headlined WrestleMania seven, eight times. He's as big as it gets. And The Rock is The Rock. And they were going to set off to have a WrestleMania match. And the fans of WWE didn't allow it because they love Cody Rhodes. The man is beloved. But thank you, Mark, for sending me all the stuff. And there's a little in brief interlude into what's going on. But yeah, I got to give my kids all these toys who... Today they got so much, and I mentioned yesterday about what I think about Valentine's Day and the fake holiday that it is, and my poor wife had to make all these goodie bags that both kids took to their respective schools. I mean, just ton. I could not believe the amount of, I'm like, honey, why are you doing this? Why? And then today I found out why. Because they each came home with 35 freaking goodie bags. Like, everybody, like... God forbid your kid was the one who showed up and didn't make the goodie bags. He came home with so many gifts from his school. I don't ever remember this. When did this become a trend where like you have to provide candy for the entire class? Why doesn't everybody just not do it and keep the candy? Like why it's just it's unbelievable. I could not believe the bags of candy my son brought home from Valentine's Day. It's crazy. Bags and bags and bags and hearts and this and that. I mean, he barely could fit it in his backpack. And he's got one sheet of paper for a homework assignment. That's it. I'm re- I'm currently reading a book about a kid who who made up a word frindle for a pen. Like this is what I don't I don't want to get into the frindle. Okay, I really don't want to get. Into, I don't know why I even mentioned that. That stupid book. Anyway, like I can't. When did we? Like every single holiday, we gotta like back, we gotta make this and we gotta make that. And then if you're having a birthday party, forget about it. You gotta you gotta invite everyone in the school practically. Well, that's tough. You can't invite. You can't have a birthday party. Why not? Well, because if you have a birthday party, then like forty kids come. What do you mean? What do you mean? We can't have a birthday party because forty kids gotta come. Well, yeah, because you know you gotta invite the entire class. I gotta invite the entire class now. I mean, I guess, and not that I want to disinvite kids. I'm sure they're they're all great kids. But like, now it's like if you're gonna have a birthday party, you have to have something huge. You can't just have a couple of friends over the backyard. It's got to be like, uh, be prepared to have sixty kids over. These are the things that you don't you don't prepare for parenting. Not that you you're ready for anything, but you understand the diapers. You understand it's gonna be difficult. You understand the money aspect of it. You understand this. You didn't realize that now Valentine's Day becomes busting your ass making goodie bags. And then dealing with a whole chock full of chocolate to make sure your kids don't scoff down in one half hour. It's like it's like a second Halloween. That's how much candy they had. It's 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 as much Halloween candy without the trick or treating and costumes. It's just handed over. They didn't have to work for this candy at all. Not a fan. Not a fan at all. Plus, it's an opportunity to be in a doghouse. Like Valentine's Day is the worst. It's literally the worst. There's so much pressure, and I told you about the, the expense of cards. Again, I had to go buy a card for my mother. It's almost $8 for a Hallmark card to say some, you know, you are the wind beneath my wings on a piece of cardboard, 8 bucks. It's crazy. It's a crazy time we're living in. 877 Mike and Woodbridge hit me up. No hard feelings, C-Mac. I respect your opinion. Just, just agree with you sometimes. In the end, it will always be go Yankees. Of course, Mike. We're allowed to disagree. 
And I didn't take any disrespect with your call. I thought we had a good call. I let you on for like seven or eight minutes. There's always disagreeing. I think the Yankees are just, you know, the bee's knees, and sometimes people don't always agree. I hope Mike gets his wish and the Yankees don't commit years and money to Soto. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. That's crazy. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry, Mike. No disrespect to you, but you're nuts. You don't want to wind, you don't want to sign Juan Soto and you want, you know, to fill it with nothing but minor league guys. You got to have stars. It, it does take both. You need to build a system. And that's what they have. If you really look at it, the Yankees are going to have a lot of youth. They're going to have Volpe at first. They're going to have Wells at catcher. They're going to have Dominguez in center. Maybe Jones in the outfield as well. That's four guys right there. Yeah, judge to the mix. There's another homegrown guy. I mean, that's I know he's making you know tons of money now, but like that's how you build a team through the farm system. But then you, you also need to add stars. You're the New York Yankees. You have to add stars, and you don't get a 25, 26 year old Hall of Famer in your building and trade uh, all your starting pitching depth for him just to let him leave in one year. Now, if that's what happens, that's what happens. You take the risk. I'm on board for the risk, knowing that very well. Steve Cohen might next year, after what could be a losing season, say, screw, screw this, David Stearns. We're spending money on Juan Soto and Pete Alonso. Who knows? They might offer him more money than the Yankees are comfortable with, and Juan Soto might not be a Yankee. I'm, I'm open to the risk. You had to do it. But you can't, you know, you can't voluntarily say, no, it's not in our best interest to sign him. Then you don't trade him. You don't trade for him knowing you're not going to sign him. I, I wouldn't suspect that. I know some people are are saying that, that they don't think the Yankees are going to get in the market for him, and it was just to appease the fan base for one year. I think that's nuts. They're going to try and sign Juan Soto, and I think they will. And he was actually at the um, the facilities in the Dominican Republic. He was speaking to a lot of the young players, and people are reading into that. I don't know if he should, but people are reading to that. You know, a guy who's only here for one year wouldn't bother to try and impact the organization in such a way. I, I think that's it. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to be on board for the rest of your life to go and try and help and impact young kids who are in the same position you were. I mean, he's just being a good guy. He's just being a good guy, just like I am when I make coffee for the morning show every morning. That's just me being a good guy. It's not necessarily all in. It just means I'm what was it? I'm I'm very uh, what was the term that was used? Not nice, which it is nice. It's very nice. Uh, thoughtful. I'm very thoughtful. I'm a thoughtful person. And so is Juan Soto. Doesn't mean he's all in, apparently. Doesn't mean that. And it takes the knee of the New York Giants are the Super Bowl 42 champions. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. They knock off the mighty Patriots 17 to 14. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, 343, McMonagle here with you. I got you till 5 o'clock. The other story, we've done a lot of baseball to start the show, um, and obviously touched on the horrific scene at the uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, championship parade. Over 20 injured. Um, one poor woman lost her life, Lisa Lopez of uh, KKFI uh, Radio. Uh, it sounds like everyone else is going to make full recoveries, including 11 children, which is just horrific. Uh, and that's going to be, unfortunately, 
you know in our minds for a while here. But uh, the other story besides baseball and and the the parade uh, was the Knicks last night, who finished up their pre All Star break schedule, and thankfully they have reached the All Star break. They need it desperately. They are an absolute mash unit right now. They are the walking wounded. They uh, you know all these. Everybody's injured at the moment. They played Orlando last night, got off to a very good start. Uh, I believe Brunson had 20 points in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, Orlando just absolutely took it to him. They end up finishing the game off 118 to 100. Uh, And, you know, eventually you saw Brunson really not play at the end of the game, 35 minutes overall. Uh, once it became a blowout, Tibbs did the right thing. I thought there was a chance just to not play him, quite honestly, because you found out going in, no DiVincenzo, no Hartenstein, uh, no Bogdanovich uh, to go along with all the other injuries that they're dealing with. I mean, it was just the starting fives of Chua, who was actually really good in the game early on. I mean, he finished, he got 23 points, which I think I saw, and I, you know, I want to make, you know, I'm assuming that's the most he's had as a Nick. That's got to be. 14 rebounds, five assists. I mean, Achua has been something special here. But it was, you know, Achua, Sims, Brunson, Burks, and Hart. I mean, that was that was the starting the starting lineup. You know, McBride got 32 minutes in this game. Toppin played and got 17 minutes. Uh, right now, they hit into the All-Star break just, you know, on a four-game losing streak. And it sounds like, at least that's, you know, the coach expects, Thibodeau expects, Everyone back besides Achua, uh, excuse me, besides Ananobi and Randall. So he expects DiVincenzo to be back. He expects Hartenstein to be back. And he expects Bogdanovich to be back coming out of the All-Star break. Now, they need the, the break desperately, and hopefully they'll rest up, but the schedule isn't easy. I believe they open with Philadelphia and Boston, who last night Boston absolutely trounced the Nets, 136 to 86, a 50 point victory. And I mean, it was early on. They would they were up 14 to 16 early on in this game. Like you knew where it was going. The Nets just aren't there. But the Celtics right now look like that's their second 50th, uh, their second 50 point win of the season. They look like a team that's just destined uh, for the NBA Finals. But if the Knicks want to keep their heads above water, they're going to have to play well without. Ananobi, and they're going to have to play well without Randall. And Brunson is going to have to, after this All-Star break, after he enjoys his first All-Star appearance, after he gets through all that, he's going to have to realize. And, again, we talked about it in Tibbs and, and, and how you handle this and the minutes moving forward and exactly what you do with this team. It's going to be a tight – it's going to be a, a fine line between you know running these guys into the ground to try and win every game and then whether or not you take you know your foot off the pedal at different times, and it really comes down to who you think you are. Like if you believe you're a championship team and you believe once everyone's healthy, you're as dangerous as everyone, then I don't think the seeds matter as much. And I understand you want to win every game. Don't get me wrong. You want to win every single game. But you need, and especially now that DiVincenzo just had the, the hamstring and Bogdanovich is dealing with what he's de- dealing with and Hartenstein has the sore Achilles. <clears throat> You're going to have to 
you know, have those guys healthy and ready to go and resume their normal roles when Achua and Randall get back. And to run them into the ground to try and win every single game over the next month for probably Achua and who knows, uh, and more than that. I keep saying Achua, Ananobi, excuse me. Probably a month for Ananobi and even more than that for Randall. I mean, you just, it's a fine line. It's going to be an interesting, and it's going to be an interesting stretch. And the thing is with, with Tibbs, I don't know how, you know, does he know how to ride the line? I mean, does he, re- or is he just a, a one way and only know his one way to do things, which is typically what he's done since going back to his days in Chicago. So it's going to be an interesting time, but thankfully they, they hit the all-star break finally. They've lost four in a row. It's going to be an important stretch coming right out of the gate. But thankfully, what they did was is they built a cushion with the way they played in January and early February until really the Ananobi uh, injury. They were incredible. And when the, when you win 16 out of 19, you, you build a little bit of uh, a cushion where you can lose four games in a row. But you don't want it to be much more than that. But at the same time, you also don't want to you know have DiVincenzo pull a hamstring or rip or tear a hamstring, God forbid, and be gone for a long time because you need him. You need these guys. You you know you need uh, Bogdanovich. You're going to need Burks. You're going to need uh, Hartenstein. You're going to need Achua to be ready and ready to go and not exhausted when the stars come back. So and obviously Brunson and how much how much do you play him? What kind of run does he get on a nightly basis? Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Steve in Long Island. What's up, Steve? Hey, how you doing, C-Mac? I I'm, always enjoy listening to you. Well, thank you, buddy. How are you? Good. Um, been a football fan for more years than I care to re- uh, reveal. Mm-hmm. And the football players today drive me crazy. They absolutely drive me crazy. Okay. When I see a wide receiver who uh, is uh, on a team that's uh, down by four touchdowns with three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Right. And he catches a first down pass, and he makes that crazy yeah, you know, first down, first down yeah. signal, and the team is getting blown off the field. Sure. It drives me nuts. But you know what? I'll accept it. It's not harming anyone. I right. accept it. When I see Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. taking Andy Reid and shoving him, that to me crosses so many different lines. Uh-huh. Uh, society-wise, in terms of 125 million people watching this, including how many kids, and there are no repercussions. It's it's yes, it was picked up, but it wasn't really significantly criticized by the by the broadcast crew. No, there's really something wrong. This guy, I don't care how good he is, and he is really good. He should be suspended for half the season by the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care. I don't care if he's with Taylor Swift. I don't care if he's with Marilyn Monroe. I don't care who he's with. The man does not belong on the field. Um, certainly, I agree with a lot of what you said. Certainly, it doesn't matter who he's dating or whatever, or, or even how good he is. That all I all agree with. I don't know if half a season is a uh, a. Uh, the right kind of play. I, I, that seems a little severe. I understand what you're saying. He crossed the line. He admitted it. If you saw him and his brother do a podcast, they addressed it on the broadcast, and his brother kind of called him out on it. And his brother said, you cross lines, man. Even screaming, forget even the contact, just screaming in his face the way you did cross the line. Um, but, I mean, Andy Reid... 
came out himself and said, well, it was really, you know, he caught me off balance. I didn't see it coming at all, and that's why it looked worse than it was. Um, they do have a relationship like that on some level, but I don't disagree with you. You crossed the line, and I, I have no problem with some kind of punishment. I don't know if, if half a – I don't know if eight, nine games. That's I probably think that's a bit of a stretch. This, um, was, so, this was so egregious. Yeah. This is – this is a coach as a parent, as far as I'm concerned. This was this is well, this is you taking a program director who says to you that you're not going to be on anymore from two to six, two to five. You're going to be on from three to five and shove it. Come on, would, would you have a job the next day? No, I understand that, but again, I don't. If my pro, you know, if me and my program director have that kind of relationship, you got to understand the relate the relationship between these two guys do play into it. I mean, they, they've known each He's the longest tenured chief. They've worked together for years. Uh, I'm sure they love and respect each other. And there's moments I saw, I, you know, I've, I've seen different things. Like in one of the B footage while they were doing the interview uh, with, I think it was either with Andy Reid or Kelsey, they showed they're walking off the field and Kel, of some random game, and it was just footage of whatever, and Kelsey's like yelling or whatever to himself, and Andy Reid like kind of came over and gave him like a shoulder into his shoulder and shoved him. Like, I don't know the kind of relationship they have, but you're right on the on the scale of that's the Super Bowl, everyone's watching, and he went ballistic and damn near knocked his coach on the ground and screamed in his face. It's too much. What? It's too what? much. I don't think it's the same as me knocking over Spike. I, I, just, I don't think that's a fair analogy. Let me, let me, let me add some dynamite to this. If Chris Jones mm-hmm. did it to Andy Reid, there would have been a furor. I don't know. I, I don't I, know I, where I'm coming yeah, from. I I, yeah, I don't, I don't agree necessarily. I... I understand the point. Thank you for the call. You know, <sighs> Antonio Brown came out and said something like that. Um, that if it were him, and now he's, he's he's got a history of taking his shirt off and walking off the field. He's got a history of, you know, being uh, you know taking videos in the locker room that caused him some grief. And and clearly, just well, you're not sure how he's handling just himself mentally. So you know. There are some situations like that with Antonio Brown. So there are certain players that have a, a track record and a history. I don't think it's Chris Jones. If you saw, I think it was Chris Jones who was laying on the floor and Andy Reid jumped on top of him, right, and celebrating. Now, it's not the same thing. I'm not trying to say it's the same thing, but I thought it was Chris Jones laying on the floor, like kind of just taking it all in after the game, and Andy Reid jumps on top of him and starts pounding on his chest. Like there's a physical nature to football, and maybe Andy Reid plays that way. Now, I'm not excusing it, and I don't disagree with you. He crossed the line. He admits he crossed the line. His brother called him out for crossing the line. I don't know if it's a season, a half a season, uh, you know, suspension worth of crossing the line, but I can't ever remember a a coach being a, attacked that way. And I guess attacked might be strong, but really, I mean, he walked over to him, grabbed his arm, and shoved him. He almost knocked him down, and then he was screaming in his face. That's about as aggressive as I've seen anyone talk to or deal with a head coach on the lo- on the sidelines during a game. You're not wrong. And considering it is the Super Bowl and the amount of people that were watching, which is more than everyone, you know, more than any program since the moon landing, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be uh, against some sort of punishment. I don't know. I think half a game, half a season's probably too much. But yeah, no, he definitely crossed the line. He's wrong. He's absolutely wrong. And he knows it. But if Andy Reid is going to just blow it off, I don't know what the league can do. 
And if Andy Reid's just going to say, hey, look, that's, you know, he, the problem was he caught me off guard. That's kind of our relationship. It's not the first time it happened. Probably won't be the last time. Whatever he said. But, yeah, there should be something. I think more the lines of, like, a fine or something. I don't necessarily think he needs to be suspended. But you're right. There, there definitely are players where if it was them, it might have been a different story. Stewart in Brooklyn. What's up, Stu Pot? Yeah. I think you're right. That There shouldn't be a fine, C-Mac. He should be suspended. Not, I meant not suspended, but a fine. Yeah. Yes. But then uh, but Andy Reeves shrugs it off. Oh, why, why make a big deal about it? Yeah, I, I, I just I, once Andy Reid chugs it off, and now we're going to have a full off season to. But again, he was well, one hundred percent. It was a ridiculous move from a, from a guy who's done nothing but win. A guy, you know, what he's frustrated to down three nothing. Like uh, it's 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 absolutely ridiculous. He has and to they, be able to control himself better than that. And moving yeah, and moving forward, if it were to happen again. Then I then, think you're then, then you're talking be, about something. Something should be happening. Yeah, something but happen. I mean, if they talked, if they talked to Andy Reid, Andy Reid goes, "Listen, this is how we deal with each other. I just wasn't expecting it, and so it looked worse than it typically is. He didn't even push me that hard. Whatever. Like if Andy Reid goes the bat for him, like I just don't know what you could do. But no question, he crossed the line. He's 100 percent wrong. All right, and uh, so that I'm hearing that uh, the Hartenstein, Anobi, or. Well, who's injured is come back after the All-Star game. That's what, that's what Thibodeau said. He expects all those guys back in the lineup. Oh, good. That would be helpful. And I'm glad the last night that they didn't play those uh, Hartenstein and whoever. Because uh, one game is not going to matter because they they have to get healthy and then they can make the run. Then they can make their push. No, but right. What, and I don't want to – they need every piece. Like – if they're going to sure. compete, if they're going to compete, whatever we think of Brunson and Randall as stars, right? That's the that's the arcing conversation. Is Randall is Randall a star? Is is uh, is uh, Brunson, is Brunson, Brunson a superstar? Are they superstar. good enough? Whatever the case may be, what are we? What are, well, let me just let me just finish it, and then and then you can make your point. Whatever the case may be on what we think of them being superstars, there's no doubt that if we think this team can contend and beat. Uh, a Milwaukee or a Boston or whatever and get into the NBA Finals and really compete for a championship, there is no doubt that their advantage in depth is going to be key. So while they're while the superstar is out, while the Ananobi is out, you can't ruin this the the depth of this team in the name of winning every game because when they come back healthy, you are going to need to use the advantage you have in depth to win because that's the advantage you have. Whatever we think about Brunson, he is not going to be the best player on the court. Very rare, unless he just, you know, he's not going to be the best player in the series heading into the series. Maybe he'll surprise us all and be that. He's capable of it. But, I mean, if they take on Milwaukee, he's not the, they have the better superstars. He takes on Boston, they have the better superstars. The difference will be the depth of this team. And you need that depth to be there and healthy and ready and not exhausted trying to secure the four seed while everyone was out. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah I agree with you 100%. But yeah. the point is that the, the fact that he did rest those players contributes to them getting healthy yes. sooner. No, 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 no doubt about it. The idea that he didn't push DiVincenzo through this hamstring, that he didn't push Hartenstein through the Achilles and he gave them this game and he gave them a couple days and now they're going to have the all-star break and that he expects them all to be there, and he gave uh, Bogdanovich the day, 100%. I think it was the right thing to do. I wouldn't have been surprised if they gave Brunson the day. I know that they really would have you know, gotten destroyed. Who cares? 
I know that sucks. And now they're 0-3 against Orlando. And you never want to say who cares on a game where you've lost three in a row already. And now it's a four-game losing streak heading into the break. But ultimately, it is so more important that, you know, and I know Brunson's about to get a, a week-long rest, so I didn't have a problem with him playing. I'm just saying I wouldn't have been surprised if it was like, you know, forget it. The entire team's hurt. We'll just play our bench today and let Orlando take a victory into the All-Star break. But Randall play, uh, Brunson played. He got 35 points. Wasn't enough. Only played about 35 minutes. They sat him, you know, once the game really got out of hand in the second half. So he should be ready to go. He'll enjoy his first ever uh, All-Star appearance. He'll get the most of it. And then it's time to be superstar, drag your team to a couple of wins until the the guys get back because, uh, you know, Ananobi's at least a month away, I would think, and Randall probably more than that. And it's going to be Brunson carrying this team with the help of Har- the Hardensteins and the uh, DiVincenzos of the world. But, again, it's a fine line between trying to win every game and making sure that that depth, which is the strength of the team, is ready when Randall comes back. 